0: So, uh, Brandon, I see that your your daughter is now making style decisions for you.
2: She's you the boss, that... man. If, if, yeah. a, if a one-year-old puts bows in your hair, you're keeping the bows in your hair. She calls the shots. <laughs> That's fair. That is truly That's, fair. I like it. I've got two red bows, both on the uh, driver's side of my head. Mm-hmm. So, uh, interesting design choice by her, and I uh, mm-hmm. figured I'd, I'd keep it.
0: Yeah, she's she's a uh, she's trying she's trying some stuff out.
2: Yeah, she's she's, she's already she, a stylista.
0: She saw she saw the the ads for the Barbie movie with Kate McKinnon as weird Barbie and was like, I'm I got that.
2: She is in the weird same boat that I am in that we don't get ads on anything that we <laughs> consume. Really? <anymore. laughs> oh, yeah. I'm in like a weird void. There'll be like guys at work that still have cable and they'll talk about ads and I'm like, I don't. I haven't... It's been so long since ads.
0: So speaking of ads, uh, I get a ton of ads because uh, the two services I have, the one service I have is fucking Hulu. Um yeah. And I got grandfathered in on, like, a deal where I have Hulu and Spotify and I get, like, yeah. Hulu super cheap. So upgrading to the premium would actually, like, break me out of the deal and I'd yeah. have to spend way more money on Hulu. uh uh-huh. Um... <laughs> So I just live with Hulu ad ad based Hulu forever. Yeah. Um but uh Hulu and YouTube are like the two main things I watch. So ads are my life. Oh god. Um there's one there's one ad uh featuring Snoop Dogg that I kind of love. What? Um so it's Snoop Dogg talking about like his food and the toys that make his head right. Yeah. Because he's pretending to be a literal dog in, in oh, the video.
2: Oh, that's it's fun. a
0: Petco ad, and it's 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 so that's funny. Fun. It's so good because he's like he has a dog toy in his hand and he's like patting at it like a dog would.
2: Yeah, there's and a, oh oh it's oh god, it's okay. a thing okay. of beauty. It's, it's so two things. Mm-hmm. The um one there's a fantastic vampire movie called Day Shift where Snoop's in it and he's a vampire hunter highly oh, recommend it. it it's such a good movie and my, <laughs> my, my daughter's old enough where she's gonna be too soon we can start really like doing holiday things with her you know, one they're mm-hmm. a little too young to fully grasp and, and yeah, yeah but now yeah. she understands she has words and sentences and shit But elf on a shelf is kind of fucked up but yeah there is I... snoop on a stoop and i think we're gonna do snoop on a stoop
0: I think, I think, so Elf on a Shelf is dystopian. It is. As, it's, it's fucked up, like, as it stands, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that are super maladaptive that people do around Christmas time in terms of engendering trust with their children, um, and Elf on the Shelf is probably, in my opinion, the worst of them. Oh, yeah. Uh, like it takes it takes psychological damage to a whole new level.
2: Um see the thing about snoop on a stoop versus elf on a shelf or the way I would would play it is that mm-hmm. snoop on a stoop is not a snitch.
0: Oh no, like, snoop on a stoop, snoop snoop
2: is not going to fucking snitch no, on you for whatsoever. Listen, he's he, well, here's what he's supposed to do. Here's what he's really going to do. He's not a snitch. He'll silently judge you. That's mm-hmm. it that's the extent so it's up to you what's what kind of a relationship do you want to have with snoop mm-hmm. and, and that that's it mm-hmm. and and that just gets that
0: just gets your daughter started on the whole like social anxiety thing real quick
2: it'll get her started real quick and probably start to confuse her because as we spoke i just recalled that my shower curtain is, is snoop is snoop, snoop jesus it's snoop jesus it's that classic yeah. like picture of jesus holding his hands up but it's Snoop and he's snooping uh-huh. a blunt um. So she'll have a weird relationship with Snoop from day one. Yeah. Well, she already has a weird relationship with Snoop. He's <laughs> like this man in my bathroom died for our sins. Yes. That that's kind of what Snoop Dogg means to her at this point. <laughs> um. Oh God. Instead of like bread and wine, it's like Hennessy and Swisher sweets. <laughs> Oh
0: And one of in one of Snoop Dogg's apostles is Martha Stewart.
2: this this is gonna be one of my new cults. Uh he's not dead yet, but we'll still act like he is. He's he's already been reincarnated. The present mm-hmm. Snoop is well, he was. reincarnated
0: Snoop. He was as Snoop Lion. Ah, true. Yeah. I think he's back oh, to Snoop Dogg God. now though.
2: Yeah, he, he, I think he's just Snoop. I, well he's either just Snoop or people like were like you're changing your name too much. We respect you, but we don't want to remember. So we'll just stick with Snoop. Um, it's like a prince thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's 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 a prince thing. It's yeah. then oh god. Oh, oh, have you played uh, uh Baldur's Gate 3?
0: No, I haven't. It's so good. I saw I did see somebody have a fight
2: with a, a squirrel in it though. It's um, so good. It it's and... just actually 5E.
0: Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I can see that. I I I haven't gotten it. I'll probably get it when it's on sale. There's um
2: like saving rolls and stats. It's just 5E but like catered to, you know, video game.
0: It's 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 five. It's kind of it's kind of the way I did 5E for you guys. Cuz I did yeah. kind of explicitly run 5E like a video game.
2: Yeah. Well, that's what it feels like. It feels like yeah. th- at the computer except like there's less freedom for like you can do silly shit, but there's less. Mm-hmm. It's not actually people you're like bouncing stuff off of. But there's there's surprisingly more options for you to do things that you wouldn't expect a game would allow you to do.
0: You can't sacrifice yourself and expose your expose your. Uh... What
2: was a uh, what was a uh, Din Viesel's race race? Uh... Oh, Din Vezel was a um, uh, tiefling, a... right? No, not a tiefling. The other one, the, the celestial Asmir, 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 yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You can't, you can't just, you know, take your take your Asmir titties out and sacrifice yourself to be turned into a stone. So oh, a job. giant. There's nudity. Well, yeah, but like you're not going to be able to.
2: You you you'll well, turn yourself into stone to sacrifice yourself. Um, to to stop
0: part, an yeah. island that happens to be Jurassic Park Island from coming to life as the Terrasque.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. purely because like. Then Wiesel got to a point like I'll start playing a character until I like find the way eventually you you find out what the character actually is and the things your character would actually do and I try not to Mm -hmm. I don't drive. try not to drive my character and just act mostly within wherever we ended up discovering Mm -hmm. what the character was through play and then there comes inevitably a certain point where like I I the writing's on the wall I can tell my character's gonna go too far and, <laughs> and and for me to like reel the character in narratively for the character doesn't make any sense. That's not they'd be doing things that are wholly out of character for themselves. So they have to like find a way to sacrifice themselves that fits their oeuvre. Or in the case of like Plundar, just get like get hammered and like disappear mm-hmm. into the woods.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, Plundar, Plundar was getting uh
2: really out of hand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The whole yeah, wishbone yeah, thing. We we don't have
0: to go we don't have to go into detail on that. But yeah. uh I think my favorite thing, so speaking of our D and D campaigns, after Din Viesel uh Dinvezel never really died. Dinvezel was petrified. So yeah. like Dinvezel always had the chance of coming back. Um but uh the character that you made immediately after that, the the like what was it, a, a gnome assassin?
2: Oh yeah, yeah 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 the gnome assassin i'm I, I i'm doing a wood elf assassin that's gonna once yeah. level three it's be trickster rogue yeah because I, it was a gnome <laughs> assassin who put like all my thing into like disguises and shit and i like yep. to role play as like i'm i'm with the party i'm not with the party and i become this innkeeper and and, and uh, with a good mm-hmm. disguise and you fucking and i <laughs> did a voice it's the only time i ever did a voice for a character <gasps> what was it scrumpty something it scrumpty. or another scrumpy yeah. did like had was an in a key innkeeper with like a old timey coal miner voice from like a yep. barbaric cartoon yep and then we get teleported to another plane and i'm stuck as scrumpy and fucking, i can't be my other real character but that also means that i'm stuck doing this voice and then now every time i have to do a campaign i have to bring a bottle of water so i can take it from my throat
0: it was really funny
2: <clears throat> oh god that was fun though it, well,
0: well the the reason so the, the funny thing was i like Basically, what ended up happening there was uh, I was running out of ideas for a, uh, <laughs> a homebrewed campaign at that point. Yeah, because because also keep in mind that campaign started out as a Gravity Falls, Twin Peaks inspired campaign where you were supposed to like do like encounter yeah. weird
2: shit like as a Monster of the Week type thing. I give you a lot of credit by the way because since that 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 campaign, um. There's been interest from coworkers in like doing D&D so I was like again doing D&D I already have all the books so I started uh-huh. flipping through and looking at what it actually takes to like DM a campaign and I was like this is a lot it's this a lot
0: it's a lot it's a lot you have to you have to be like a oh, it, it DMing a campaign is a definitely a special skill set like oh yeah it's not it's definitely not the same as being a
2: player. And I think um, from approaching it in the sense of a, uh, um, a, a someone attempting to DM for the first time, I feel like it kind of is dog shit to do until you get used to it, where you can, to a certain extent, like uh, um, uh, wing it's the wrong word, but be able to roll with no, individual wing, player it's... decisions. Wing it
0: is a hundred percent the correct <laughs> word because I literally, I literally wrote on one of the pages of like I was like writing up the prepping for a session and then I said fuck it, wing it and I wrote it in all caps. <laughs> uh, I probably fair. have the book somewhere that I, I think I have a picture of it uh, somewhere. So uh, it's it was one of those moments where I was just like, nah, fuck it. Um, there's also. <laughs> There's also one of my favorite notes that I've ever made was something along the lines of uh, so-and-so the goblin loves what you might call like X, Y, Z, right? Oh, yeah. And then, and then three lines later, so-and-so the goblin is dead. Was, was,
2: <laughs> it wasn't Charlie, was it?
0: No, no. It was just, Charlie was a halfling. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, God. Charlie was a halfling who had the rat equivalent of sting.
2: Oh, um, yes, yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, one of the first patches to Baldur's Gate, by the way, was to there was too much genitals, in the sense that like they would clip through things or like just they'd just be out there when they weren't intended to be.
0: What? Yeah, that's so. That's such a choice. Usually, they replace the the model in between, like like they they take the geometry and they don't. If if you have a game that has Jennies. you don't show the genitals so, because like you don't render them because like that's a waste of
2: resources just so you know like how baldur's gate starts as you hit play and then mm-hmm. the first menu that comes up is do you want genitals yes or no that's fair so i'm assuming that th- this means that in the genitals screen you clicked yes and just got too much just too much Where, yeah like it wasn't intended by the developer Genital options by race.
0: (laughs) Baldur's three patch stops genitals.
2: I wasn't lying. (laughs) From poking out of your armor. That's a shame. Yeah. Oh, no. My hogs. uh, 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 (laughs) Uh, The patch notes tell us
0: that githyanki penises c and d would clip through some githyanki clothing a very embarrassing wa- wa- wardrobe malfunction and for some reason <laughs> one specific to B- balder 3's class and race combo the male gnome sorcerer was missing its underwear
2: <laughs> but i gotta say it's oh a, god out of the gate it's a great game it fucking works and you get the game and then you just have the game they're not like hey you want to give us two dollars for this helmet or fucking a battle pass or whatever it's just like here it is it works ah man got a lot of uh gnome uh side boob last night yeah aggressive shadow druid side boob
0: (laughs) oh god (laughs) You can choose between a penis or a vagina, as well as pubic area options, according to Dubrovina. The decision to add this option didn't stem from the inclusion of sex scenes in the romance subplots, but rather because the team decided to make underwear a piece of equipment you would obtain throughout the game, customize and wear. She explained that the underwear is an extension of the character. Customization is a form of in-universe expression. The question arose, what happens when you take it off? She said, at first we were like, you know, maybe nothing's going to happen. Maybe we're going to have another underwear mesh under it. Who cares? Then I started thinking about it and started thinking about it, talking about it, and we realized that for some players, it was just another way to represent their identity. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. Vulva types, uncircumcised penis types, circumcised penis types. There's there's a whole thing. Tieflings oh, yeah. have more circumcised options, by the way, um, apparently. Yeah uh can't have as much pubic hair as other races dwarf very hairy or no hair at all <laughs> half like very hairy or no hair at all
2: yeah i dragonborn character customization so i didn't go that deep <laughs> into it.
0: dragonborn no pubic hair and only one type of penis okay well that's that's a we we probably should start the episode um yeah so uh this is cryptopedia it's a thing that we do every other week i'm john i'm brandon and um so funny story talking about genitalia kind of dovetails into this week's topic a little bit in a weird fucked up kind of way um so brandon have you ever like looked into lost media at all like as a concept how familiar uh, are you with
2: it? Like not so much with lost media. I will say I semi regularly watch the Found Footage Festival YouTube channel which mm-hmm. is um people yeah. it's it's like collected lost VHS tapes in a lot of. It. My favorite one is like um what's that pizza joint? Pizza Hut uh uh-huh. employee training VHS tapes were very fun.
0: Okay. So it's you're you're familiar with kind of like the found footage type that's more found footage than it is lost media because you're operating from a different like from the perspective of how the thing is discovered you're actually approaching it from the opposite direction as in nobody knew that this thing necessarily existed and then this was found um as opposed to people think that this thing existed and then they found it gotcha um so videos about lost media are kind of like some of my favorite types of videos to have as like background yeah. noise right uh
2: no <laughs> oh are we, this is it time to wrap up <laughs> yeah it's time to wrap up we're done i
0: yawned it's over um so despite being familiar with the, much of the subject matter this week uh i was introduced to a new concept in a post by uh truth is fiction yt on the r cryptozoology subreddit so oh. i was browsing our cryptozoology looking for like potentially interesting topics and then I kind of like saw this post where this person posted like what is cryptid lost media you yeah. know what is cryptid lost media what isn't cryptid lost media blah 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 right and I was like huh this is kind of interesting this might be worth a uh this may be worth like going through just because like there's probably some interesting stuff in here um, or at the very least, there's probably some interesting stories in here. Yeah. Not so much, not so much the stuff as being like actually interesting, but the stories surrounding it being interesting. Because like uh-huh. a lot of them are like, there's a video that supposedly exists. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, that's it. Um. So, uh, I mean, that's kind of the thing with with lost media in general. It's not yeah. about the actual thing. It's about the hunt for it more than anything. Like. It's great that the thing is found, but really, like the interesting part is the the act of finding it, right? Yeah. So, um, this this thing, this like cryptid a, lost like media, a media thing, media geocache. kind of, except different. It's, I I get into I get into the, the the nuances of lost media in a second here. Okay. Um. So one of the examples they gave was the tombstone thunderbird photo we discussed in the uh the good old days of 2019 Uh um which we're we're going to talk about a lot again today Mm -hmm. uh uh i this this episode didn't start off as a a uh like a re a redo of that episode but it kind of became a redo of episode 20 of this podcast so um but yeah it it, this kind of struck me as a thing where it could be like a font of like Uh, teleological weirdness yeah. um, where you know you're you're just looking like the 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 look the the hunt for the things is weird in its own right um so kind of getting into like what lost media is and this is kind of an this is my definition that's more or less adapted from the lost media wiki Uh um lost media is a categorical descriptor for media shrouded in some kind of mystery Uh, A little bit tautological In the definition there Um, Typically This manifests as a hunt for hard to find Or lost media as the wiki says Um, Things like And these are all real things That Uh we know happened uh, The live stream of the Las Vegas Super Smash Brothers wrestling match (laughs) It was people It was in fact people in Wrestling costume Like mascot costumes wrestling Uh, There are pictures of it we know that they existed. We know a live stream existed. The live stream was never saved. Um so it's lost media. Um gotcha. additionally like the the master recordings of the moon, ma- moon landing lost, uh-huh. right? We 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 lost those years ago. All we have are uh recordings of those those masters effectively. Um, and then of course there's also early season episodes of Doctor Who which they are just found those like Those a couple
2: years ago. They found all of them? Not all of them. They found a significant chunk that was missing. They were in a radio station um uh uh somewhere south of the equator for some reason, I believe. Okay.
0: Yeah, like like so basically the story behind that is um BBC would like tape over their own shows to save on like costs. <laughs> So, a bunch of, like, old BBC media is just lost because they didn't, like, try to uh, preserve it. Also, like, a crazy amount of silent films are missing. It's, like, 75% or something like that, Um, which is partially because it was filmed on silver nitrate film, which is, like, notoriously
2: uh, combustible. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure when Um, they were first recording things, they weren't privy to, like, the durability and, and, and longevity of whatever materials were being used to as well, the recording media.
0: It wasn't, it wasn't a concern,
2: right? Like, like, you know,
0: it, it's, it's kind of like when people make a TikTok or a vine, like when people were yeah. making vines and stuff like that, like it's not necessarily something that people care about. Right. Yeah. Cause and it would be most people
2: pretentious to be like in a hundred years, someone's going to want to watch this again.
0: Yeah. So like the, the thing is like, most most humans, I feel like, don't operate from the perspective of, I'm going to archive this, right? Because, like, it takes special kinds of weirdos who enjoy archi- archiving media um, yeah. to archive media. Uh, so I just want to take a second, though, to say that we know all of these examples existed, right? That's uh-huh. an important feature of these, these pieces of media. We know at some point these were recorded, we know that they existed we don't know if there is still currently an extant like copy of it right yeah um so this is there's there's multiple categories of lost media right um sometimes we do find lost media as you mentioned brandon where we found like some of the uh, episodes of of doctor who in a, a south of like the equator country um where it becomes found media and usually this is posted to like archive.org or youtube and there's yeah. actually the possibility for found media to become lost media again if it like it was posted to youtube and then gets taken down and then no one saved it and blah 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 blah. yeah yeah you know just the endless the endless problem of preserving uh anything archiving data um some other prominent examples include the wicked witch episode of sesame street which was a thing huh they had the Wicked Witch of the West show up on an episode of, of Sesame Street, Weird. and it scared the shit out of kids.
2: <laughs> That's fair.
0: And they uh, they ended up, um, I think they ended up like pulling it from circulation, and it was found like a couple years back. Huh. Um, the Snyder cut of uh, the Justice League would be considered found media because uh-huh. it was eventually released. In um, video games like Star Fox Two, which was a canceled game. That then got released on the uh, the Super NES like re-release classic machine that they did a couple okay. years back. So there's a bunch of there's a bunch of stuff that like comes back and that yeah. that becomes like found the ET video game. Well, no, the ET video game was never lost. The cartridges were lost. They were destroyed. <laughs>
2: yes. Yeah. Well, the the cartridges yeah. for the game, I, I, should, I should say, be more specific in that. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's wild that that actually ended up
2: being true. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) But then again, now that I like, I. So the number of times that I've seen like trading cards end up in dumps, right? Like I saw somebody find like pallets of Modern Horizons 2 in a dump. And I'm just like, well, but the thing is, it's cheaper to trash it and then call it like claim a loss than it is to sell it at cost, right? Like so they do that. That's what they did with a bunch of fucking Funko Pops. They've destroyed a shit ton of Funko Pops. Yeah. Because it was cheaper to destroy them than save them.
2: Yeah. You know, it's a great it's good. Yeah.
0: It's a yeah. good it's a good extension of our consumerist uh lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Um it, it's 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 kind of like uh not being able to like like taking the ball home with you when you're done. Yeah with a game it's like nah fuck you i'm going home and this is my ball or um to make it like to take it to a more like a, a more accurate extreme taking a switchblade to the ball and then walking away
2: yeah yeah um like, like gg this <laughs> fucking no oh, re oh.
0: um so sometimes however media is confirmed to be permanently lost um unarguably this is the most common form of media right uh we create media for as long as we've had access to sticks and stones and not everything is going to be preserved we are an ephemeral creatures and our creations as a result are ephemeral right like i said before the silent film era films are pretty much like case in point of that plus like the countless books and journals and photographs that people have taken right like that are just they're they're functionally lost, they're gone, so like you have however. to and
2: then or there's there's like like it was it the guy that found Troy was like not an archaeologist but an amateur archaeologist, so in mm-hmm. the process of discovering the city of Troy, he, he destroyed also parts permanently of it. destroyed significant yeah. portions of the city of Troy, <laughs> yes <laughs> uh.
0: yeah, it kinda it's kind of like the nature yeah. of I could be existence. getting which which city.
2: It, it was wrong i think it's. it might be home. troy
0: that i mean that's happened a number of times right like um i think i think somebody found like dinosaur bones on their property and they were watching like somebody like or like they found like an archaeological site and they were watching people dig it out like the art the archaeologists yeah. and they're like i can just get my backhoe and like just oh, get this no. out for you but um man,
2: these guys are using hand tools that's gonna take forever
0: yeah that, that's basically that's basically what happened um so here though, things get super fucking complicated, right? Yeah. Um because we don't know that all lost media existed, right? And this is this is where things get really muddy.
2: Oh right? I think I know where this is gonna go.
0: So for every episode lost episode of Doctor Who, or that one episode of the Cast that we made back in like twenty twelve. Yeah. Um, there are hundreds of thousands of partially remembered bits of media, right? if not millions, there's probably an infinite number of bits of lost media that exist out there. Right. Um, In terms of like things that people think existed. Right. Like just think of stuff that you saw when you were a kid and like, did that actually exist? Or is that just your, your child brain connecting dots? And then you rewrote the memories over the years. Like I remember like a fun place in Kingston, like, like one of those like places, like a party place. Yeah. And, like, I have vague recollections of it, but, like, it's so nebulous. Dinosaur And if I days. tried to... It might have been Dinosaur Daves. <laughs> but you see, here's the thing. I don't know if that's correct. Because yeah. you said Dinosaur Daves. I made the association. I don't know if that's correct. Because that's the nature of memory, right? Memory is, is ephemeral, right? Yeah. So... Sometimes this turns out to be real shit, right? Like The Clock Man, which was a weird 70s Czech animation that was first talked about on a bungee forms. Um, on the internet, at least. Or Cracks, which was a somewhat an unnerving short from Sesame Street. Yeah. Um, it presents a muddy ontological question, and ontology is like the nature of reality. How do we know something does not exist, right? This uh-huh. is a really... This is a serious question, right? How do you know that something doesn't exist? And, you know, this is a familiar question for most people because it's usually applied to the existence of God um, rather than the clips of Sesame Street. Um, (laughs) So fundamentally, uh, the scientific method is not methodologically capable of answering this question. Fundamentally, you can't, right? Because the scientific method relies on the concept of falsifiability, yeah. Um, at least the current model of the scientific method, that's the commonly accepted methodology by which we do science, right? Um, in statistical reasoning, it was originally described by, uh, philosopher Karl Popper. Um, briefly to explain it, if something is falsifiable, there is a way to show that the claim is untrue, right? For example, if I put the hand, my hand on the stove, I will be burned is a, is a falsifiable claim, right? uh uh-huh. Um, there are conditions that, like, this is true, we can identify, right, but there's also conditions where it's like, well, you know, you know, the stove's on, off on this case, so I didn't get yeah. burned, but the second I turn the stove on, the conditions have changed, and, like, we know that that, that logical statement is invalid, right? Yeah. Because we can, we can invalidate that statement, right? Mm-hmm. or at the very least, we can say under these conditions, this statement is true right um in contrast, a claim of something existing uh is non falsifiable right so like yeah. um saying that like there is a stove that exists that will not burn you when it's on and heating things up yeah, right um Conduction that's stove. Ooh, Mr. I talk about <laughs> abduction stoves,
1: but but like if
0: you didn't have an example of that, right? Yeah. And you just said that that existed. Um that's non-falsifiable, right? You can't say that like or rather, you can't say something doesn't exist, I should say. Yeah. Right? Um if you say that like you know, uh like there's a cha- there's a there's a secret to immortality out uh-huh. there that exists, right? you can't falsify that you can't say no there's not because if you say no there's not then that means you have to literally show every other logical contrapositive to say no there's not yeah
2: what's well, right? the whole thing where it, it's you can't the you have to prove something's existence you don't have to prove something's non-existence uh, well you can't prove something's non-existence
0: yeah so there's then then this this gets into a philosophical thought process, right, where okay. So this <laughs> the problem here is you you can't claim something doesn't exist. Like logically, it's yeah. unscientific to say. Because if you say it doesn't exist, then that means you know for a fact that in all of these conditions it doesn't exist, right? um like you know being able to, for a human being to go to the speed of light is impossible is a incorrect st- it, it it might be correct it might be true but to say it with any sort of certainty and any sort of like gnostic certainty is incorrect yeah right um because we you would have to show all of the conditions in which you have someone attempting to reach the speed of light the correct statement would be, using our current technology, it is impossible to reach the speed of light. Yeah. And even then, that's questionable because we don't necessarily know if there's an application of technology in which, that we currently have that allows someone to go to the speed of light, right? Yeah. And that also proves um,
2: whoever makes that statement knows the, the, the total scope of all human technology.
0: Yeah. So long <laughs> story short, it's really, really fucking hard to say that something doesn't exist. Yeah right so as a result the the onus has to be on the person who um the person who says something exists has to prove it right you have to have evidence of exactly it's the burden of proof is on the person who makes the claim right so when you apply it to the concept of god right um you can't definitively say god doesn't exist right yeah but the burden's not on that person but that person is not the person who has to prove that to themselves. Yeah. Right. Um, And I'm, I'm thinking about it now and I'm not entirely sure if the way I phrase that stove question is actually the correct way to phrase that question for hypothesis, but we're going to move on from it <laughs> because, <laughs> because I could spend an hour talking about that and like, it's one of those things that warp my warps my brain a little bit. Cause most of the time when I do science, I'm a social scientist, right? So I'm saying, I think that I, I hypothesize that people will behave this way, right? In these yeah. conditions. Then I talk to them or do a survey, get the data. Then I basically look at the data and attempt to prove that. Basically I have to say, okay, do they not act in this way in these conditions, right? And if they don't act in this way in these conditions, then that means my hypothesis was correct. Yeah. Right? Or like, there's a... Sati- Ugh, I said that wrong. <laughs> God fucking damn it. Basically, what you need to prove is that the null hypothesis, the condition in which the conditions you say are happening don't happen, right? Yeah. Is false. So... For example, there is no correlation between. Okay, so there is a correlation between smoking and lung cancer, right? Yes. For example, um, the way you would prove that is you would compare the people who smoke with, like, you would compare people who smoke with the general population or a random yeah. subset of the general population, and then you would say, is there is there a difference statistically between these two things? right um and that's that's at its core what falsifiability is right yeah i probably just spent way too fucking long (laughs) talking about falsifiability but it's something i personally struggle with because i i like i want to make sure i have it right every time yeah um so i spend a lot of time thinking about the concept of falsifiability i probably spend too much time thinking about the concept of falsifiability to be completely honest with you but that's just my cross to bear um so returning to lost media, uh lost media requires an entirely different method of historical investigation. Um and you can't use the you can't apply the the you cannot apply the scientific method to historical investigation. It's yeah. just different, right? Cuz the scientific method is a process of asking questions, right? It is a methodology. Um it is not the only methodology to find out information, but for like proving like physical facts or physical Mm -hmm. like hypotheses and things along those lines the scientific method is the most valuable way of doing it when you're talking about historical things like you can't really apply the scientific method to you know everything right there's going to be cases where you can apply it but it's to basically don't use uh Mm -hmm. don't ham everything becomes a hammer Uh, everything becomes a nail
2: (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm
0: moving on i'm fucking my brain i i am like all but dissertation everything and becomes I, your thumb if you have a nail gun <laughs> pretty much pretty much everything becomes your thumb if you're me and you're trying to explain something that is central to your whole like existence as a human yeah. in your career Uh, because you're so anxious about getting it wrong that you've overthought it to the point that explaining it is difficult um so i'm not going to delve too deeply into historical methods of like investigation right um which is really you know best guesses and like process of like elimination and things Mm -hmm. along those lines um dismissing the claim that something is like actually lost media is nearly impossible right uh as I said before, you'd have to you have to accept the null the null hypothesis that the media yeah. does not exist and you cannot accept the null hypothesis. That is central to the concept of the null hypothesis. You can only reject it. Yeah. Right. So back to the cancer thing. Um smoking doesn't have any impact on like the incidence of lung cancer, right? That would be your null hypothesis and you would reject it by showing there is a condition in which this applies. Yeah. There we go. That, honestly, I probably could have just said that sentence, <laughs> and we're, we could have replaced about ten minutes of what I was just saying. Which, I think, is why I wrote like, like half of what I just said uh, wasn't in the script. No. It was me uh, extending what was in the script, because I'm John, and I'm a ball of anxiety, <laughs> and I am so worried about getting these fundamental things wrong that I will over-explain things to you. Um So In fact And like to give an example The Clockman short I mentioned before Yeah Um If you accepted The null hypothesis That it was non-existent Right Um In 2016 You would actually be invalidated Within the span of a year Because it was discovered That um O Paradive Sali Uh Was Which is the short's actual name Um Was found in 2017 Right So the uh-huh. thing was actually found So the hunt for for lost media itself is kind of an analog for cryptozoology, right? Because uh-huh. both frequently pre- present non-falsifiable claims that cannot be actually investigated properly through the scientific method, which is why most cryptozoology is in fact pseudoscience because you cannot apply the scientific method to a non-falsifiable claim. Um, <laughs> so. There's also kind of like this irony in cryptid lost media because it's believed by some to be the required evidence to prove the legitimacy to some extraordinary claims, right? Yeah. So, it's it's complicated, right? And now, now that I've spent now that I've spent uh 25 I minutes talking about what that. lost media is and why it's complicated and it's hard to say that lost media doesn't necessarily like that lost media doesn't exist um which really I could have just said it's not possible to know that lost media doesn't
2: I love exist. that there's like an alternate reality to John somewhere recording the same episode in the first 40 minutes is he goes let's talk about cryptid uh, cryptid lost media it's complicated and then it just just moves on <laughs> yeah well that wouldn't be me no. that's just not
0: that's not just not the it's the reality John. That's Bizarro John and Bizarro John's a fucking asshole, okay? <laughs> um at least by by real John's. Uh well then again, maybe I'm Bizarro John. We don't know. That's the thing, right? So so that kind of gets into what I was talking about. We can't
2: Are prove to have an existential crisis
0: cuz you can't prove you're not Bizarro John. <laughs> Brandon I live every day I'm in I'm in constant existential crisis. I've got to say nihilism is probably the the most dangerous thing in the world to me. <laughs> Learning about its existence, I get oh, the God. sad's almost constantly because I think about the nature of existence and ontology,
2: which is not good. Oh, God, yeah, I mean same. That, that's <laughs> why I
0: fill my time playing uh either playing video games working on projects or sleeping. Those that's all I do. That's my life. Because if I do anything that lets me think, it's not good for John. It's all over. It's bad, which is really fucked up when you consider that my job is literally thinking. Um there's some in
1: this house. There's some in this house. There's some in this, house. Some in this house. I said certified horrors freak house. Seven days a week. Wet-ass p Make that pull game week.
2: Today's episode yeah, is brought to you in part by Clay Sinclair. Yeah, Found on Twitch TV slash 23 he's an OG jackalope that John and I played phasmophobia with, and Clay and John made Paranormal Rage together. Be sure to check him out on his streams because it's a solid good time.
1: right in your face. Swipe your nose like a credit card. Hop on top. I want to ride. I do a kegel while it's inside. Spit in my mouth, look in my eyes. This keyword is wet. Come take a dive.
0: I'm gonna go through the uh the post that uh truth is scarier than fiction, which is a YouTube channel that has so many fucking subscribers. Oh jeez. Like like I think it was like forty thousand or something like that, and I'm immediately jealous. Um So they have this like they made this like uh uh, infographic type thing, right? Yeah. And I'm going to go through that infographic really quick. Um, basically, it's this thing that is like, what is cryptid lost media, right? And they say a cryptid is best defined as an animal that science doesn't recognize as currently existing, which is pretty fair. I'd say that's that's fairly accurate, but also it kind of... Um, it lacks nuance. Yeah, It lacks nuance. And you know what? At the risk of Spending another 30 minutes on I me talking about mean, nuance. But they, I, yeah, it's. Cause uh, cryptid, cryptid literally is referring to hidden, like cryptozoology is hidden zoology. So it's talking about animals that are not necessary.
2: It's, it's, I had this it's, actually happen. <clears throat> excuse me. Last Friday, there was, we needed to write, we needed to write one sentence. Mm -hmm. And it was probably about a 40 minute time period in which way. And it it wasn't long. It was something Mm -hmm. it would have been uh, like five or six words. Um, And it took us about 40 minutes to choose the correct word for one of the words in the sentence. Because, like, even though they all roughly mean the same thing, the Mm -hmm. difference between that slight difference does make a larger difference. (laughs) You know, when it gets out to the broader population. So, it took for way too long.
0: Now, imagine that, but that's every sentence in a 10-page paper. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's what writing a paper, academic paper, feels like. Um, <laughs> so, uh, cryptid lost media, encrypted lost evidence, is evidence of a cryptid's existence that can't be located. Something can still be lost if it's been partially released or if its location is known but has not been released to the public. So that's a succinct way of explaining what I spent a lot of time explaining, but yeah. I care about like the philosophical implications of this. Um, and I'm John, and I'm going to spend... This is, this is our podcast, and I get to decide on... <laughs> every other episode how much we talk about a philosophical concept so we're fucking talking about it um <laughs> so lost media cryptid media cryptid lost media is in some ways an extension of lost media
2: as a whole <laughs> oh, as a... i just, I, just to say, I find this very funny because like that was you this is how you your method in which you chose to write this topic i picked another i found another topic to write about um yesterday and i chose <laughs> it because i think the name's a little bit funny <laughs> i hate that i chose this topic literally because
0: huh that makes me think things i want to work through those things <laughs> and then i finish working through those things and i'm like huh i still feel like i haven't sufficiently worked through those things <laughs> <laughs> um so cryptic lost media is like a cla- a subclassifier for lost media sort of um I'm going to get into it in a second uh because uh truth is scarier than fiction makes some some classify classification claims that are inaccurate for uh-huh. lost media but we'll get to that in a second. Um as the name implies lost media refers to artifacts that convey information or st- artistic experiences, right? Because it's talking about media. Media is is the pluralized form of medium. Medium is something in which a human impose human or like thinking creature imposes some form of artistic expression or will onto, which then can be ingested by other people. Um, and even then it can also just be information, right? It yeah. doesn't have to necessarily be an artistic expression. It can literally be a photo- a photograph of an event that happened, right? So, and even within that, there can be, there can be, there is a degree of art- artistry that's involved as well, but that's another rabbit hole that I'm not going to go down. And I'm going to stop myself before I start talking about the concept of art. Um, so, amusingly, to me at least, uh, the progenitor of the cryptid lost media concept, and I'm pretty sure that Truth is Scarier Than Fiction is the first person to talk about this, uh-huh. right? Um, like, 90% sure. I'm sure someone's probably mentioned it before, but he's the first person to make like an infographic about it. Or she. I actually don't know their gender. Um, so, sorry. Uh, they, they're... They? uh whatever yeah. um truth is scary than fiction if you if you hear this and you want to correct that i'll I will personally re-edit this episode <laughs> to fix the the pronoun there um which is not a joke. I will do that uh so um within their their definition, they include lost specimens in their categorization. Right. okay so um, at its core uh, is which which lost specimens brandon are not medium no they're not media they're, they're, not a they're by definition upon right? they're by definition not media yeah. media kind of has to be an artifact or yeah. or created by a uh, sentient being or a being yeah. that has some intent behind what they're doing um yeah
2: like a photograph or an anatomical drawing of a specimen, that would be media. Would be media. The specimen itself is not. Correct. Um, at its core, cryptid lost media is an inherent
0: inherently credulous classifier because it operates from the assumption that these pieces of media are genuinely lost and not hoaxes or misremembering. Because <coughs> at its core, lost media itself is a pretty credulous uh, like classifier because people are like... Like, there's something called, I think, Hito Gata, which is, like, this uh, PSA in Japan that has two white, like, flashing figures on it. Yeah. That supposedly is a a PSA about, like, people getting hit at railroad crossings and, you know, um, that people claim exists. Uh Uh-huh. Right? But there's no proof that shows it exists. Oh,
2: my favorite Lost Media... It's I forget the name of the artist, but there's an artist who um, he'll do an art piece and just when it's done, just destroy it like no one gets to have it. He just does it and then destroys it. Well, there's
0: there's that there is that one Banksy that the frame as soon as the the oh, auction the went shredder. through. Yeah, it shredded it, but it, it it stopped shredding halfway through. So it accidentally made its own piece of art. Yeah, which <laughs> is kind of great. um uh yeah but but like but that's also kind of in a weird sense the act of deciding to deprive the world of that media is in its itself media in a weird kind of fucked up way yeah um but once again then we're getting into we're getting into philosophical discussions of art and I don't think that... Uh, we're at 50 minutes, and we haven't even talked about the main subject of this episode. Well, technically we have, because we're talking about cryptid lost media, but we haven't talked about the cryptid-related part of it. We're on page um, three. Yes, of a... Uh, how many
2: pages 16. is
0: this? 16. Cool. Um, anywho.
2: But there's lots of pictures.
0: Yeah, there is. So, to their credit, the progenitor of the term uses, does use language such as supposedly and allegedly, but... We all know the implication.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and you better believe, you
0: know what that link is, Brandon. You don't even the need to click it. Yeah. The
2: implication of it. There's, um, I'm going to click on it just in case you're fucking with me. No, it's no, exactly what I thought it was going to be. It is exactly what you thought it was. <laughs> um,
0: so they, they categorize the, the core categorizations that they have are lost photos, lost video, lost audio, lost reports, and lost specimens. We've talked about lost specimens already. I, don't really think that lost specimens counts as cryptid lost media, uh, because it's not media it's specimens. Um, anywho. So the pro, the poster credit to the poster's credit, uh, also, wow, I wrote a bad sentence <laughs> to the poster's credit. They also qualify what is not cryptid lost media, noting that dead cryptids and eaten cryptids are not inherently cryptid lost media. Right. Um, and when I was reading this, I realized, and this is, like, uh, four pages into this, uh, writing this, which is probably, like, hour six of me writing this this episode, um, uh, it made me realize that it's probably more accurate to ca- ca- classify this as cryptid missing evidence than yeah. cryptid lost media, because cryptid missing evidence would actually better encapsulate the... Uh, the categorization that they have and i think mm-hmm. from a taxonomical standpoint it's a better taxonomy taxonomical yeah. name um now as this alteration allows for for biologics more readily and we all know <laughs> about the biologics thing <laughs> yep. um highlights the fact that items are purport of uh are purported evidence that we do not have clear informa- indication of veracity right we don't know if these things actually exist yeah. There is a non-zero percent chance that they are hoaxes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, also, an interesting thing that I think that they included was like, uh, remember Caddy the catapesaurus? Yeah. You know how there is like the 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 body? They yeah. talked about that as being an example of cryptid lost media in like the video that they did, huh? Which once again lost evidence. But yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hammer Mi- that missing home. Evidence, right?
2: There's, missing evidence. Th- missing evidence. I think cryptid missing evidence is much well, better because lost means that we do we we do
0: know that there was a body associated with the catapresaurus picture yes but missing evidence is yes yes you are correct you and, caught and, me and, and,
2: and the way they're writing or or at least describing these like that that really is the scope because that's a broader scope and that mm-hmm. it covers specimens and, and these things that uh they're they're yes yeah
0: well, because like as we as we were saying, um, loss does have the implication that it once existed, right? Yeah. Um, which, to, to in fairness, when you're talking about lost media, uh, is the way that you have to consider it if you're doing yep. like research, right? But when we're talking about claims of of entities that are not proven by science, the use of the term "lost." implies the existence of that thing so there's there's like subtle there's subtle framing things here that you have to think about um or you don't have to think about it and you could just be a normal person and move on with your life yeah um actually but this this is that's not example me. of
2: what we were talking about earlier about like choosing the correct word in this case lost versus missing there's there's yes. real implications in it's important to a certain extent go with the correct word
0: it's like it's like the decision to call a podcast Cryptopedia. <laughs> um thinking that the crypto rush was over and it wouldn't be a thing you'd have to worry about. Um but hey, it ended up being a thing you have to worry about. So cool. Uh so um philosophizing and classifying aside and i probably will not shut up about it there will probably be more stuff that i want to talk about because um, like as it stands i'm still thinking about whether or not my example of falsifiability was correct and if it was <laughs> it was succinct enough um which i hate because there's this part of me that's like i want to go back and redo that because i'm not confident that that was actually accurate you want to start um, from the top yeah, a bit. Of, a, a bit of me kind of wants to restart this whole episode at an hour, uh, in and you know, given the fact that we started early because you know you had to start early, but whatever. Um, so, I'm gonna start, and I was intentionally. In, this was in, initially intended to be a grab bag episode. Yeah. Um, and I was gonna start with my favorite supposedly missing pieces of cryptid media, uh-huh. uh which is the Tombstone Thunderbird. Uh, I talked about this in episode 20 and um, we're going to talk about it in its entirety again, uh, because I realized that I left out some pretty interesting things around it. <laughs> should, um,
2: I, should I just drop episode 20 in right here?
0: <laughs> you could, but then, then you'd, you'd be missing data actually. Oh, okay. Um, so, um, as I mentioned earlier, we covered this in a previous episode of the podcast, but it's literally been four years, <laughs> which I hate, um, since we talked about this, so let's take a minute to go through the story. Um, the Thunderbird is a large avian-like cryptid of varying sizes and descriptions, which is important uh, because in one version of the story, it's the size of a 747. Uh, yeah. In other versions of the stories, it is not. Um, <laughs> generally people will assign the moniker of Thunderbird to any number of supposed sightings of large birds. Right. Um, I, I I try to pin down a hard definition of the modern Thunderbird, but I don't think it's super consistent beyond like, Oh man, that bird is too big. Yeah. Um, but like also people consistently fuck up with aerial identification of sizes because they don't have proper reference points, which I think we also talk about in the Thunderbird episode at length. Um, it's hard to do size like scaling when you have frames of reference yeah right um, anywho uh, more importantly, uh, Thunderbirds are a recurring motif in Native American traditions uh, frequently representing agents of change um, but we do talk about that in far more depth in episode 22 of this podcast so I'm not going to go over it again because it's not relevant to this particular instance because in this particular instance, the use of the term Thunderbird is not applying it to the Native American version of it, in my opinion. Um, people might be co-opting the Native American myth in Legend yeah. uh, into the discussion of a modern cryptid, but I do not think that it is, I don't think it's appropriate or correct to link those two things together beyond the fact that other, mentioning that other people link these two things, because even if, the the tombstone thunderbird exists it is a it is a distinct entity from the native american thunderbird and there's no question about that we we talked about the, we talk about like the, the the use of like indigenous cultures uh mythologies to like you know um uh to provide a sense of like validity to claims of cryptids and like how that's kind of fucking problematic yeah um Especially when we're talking about, like, you know, uh, thunderbirds are particularly good for this uh, because you know we got the we got the rope in. <laughs> Um Which, hey, funny thing about that, uh, thunderbirds have also been co-opted by young earth creationists to assume they are not, in fact, birds, but surviving pterodons that look nothing like we would have expected pterodons to look like. Um, which is a topic I've yelled about at length on episode 16 <laughs> of this podcast, uh, where we cover the rope in, the appropriation manipulation of indigenous people by nemesis of the pod, uh, Jonathan Whitcomb, who does actually <laughs> a feature in this story slightly, not like in a meaningful way, though. Um, so returning to Tombstone, this particular iteration of Thunderbird did not begin as a Thunderbird story. Uh, in fact, in its initial publication, the Saturday, April 26th, 1890 edition of uh, the tombstone epitaph uh, the article describes the creature as a winged monster resembling a huge alligator with an extremely elongated tail and an immense uh an immense pair of wings so it's not mentioned as a thunderbird right it's not described as a thunderbird it's not described by any existing historical definition of the thunderbird based on uh various traditions right yeah moreover after being killed by some dudes it was measured to be 92 feet in length with wingtips spanning 160 feet with a description that's closer to a 90s conception of quetzalcoatlus than it is a bird um that being said we do know that the the tombstone epithet article is real right we have we have an example of that 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 particular we have that media we have it yeah um here enters the lost media portion of the story however uh in the original article, uh, the author claims that the men who killed it intended to skin it and send it east for examination. Here, if we use Truth is Fiction YT's initial taxonomy of cryptid lost media, we have it a potential lost media in uh, heavy quotes because, once again, it's a specimen, not media. Yep. Um, but interestingly, this is not the thing that people care about um, huh. in this story. Because, like, that to me seems like a bigger deal than what we're about to talk about um because that's like a physical specimen right yeah and like conceivably if they sent like bone samples and things along those lines you could do you know you could do stuff with that there's things you could do with that right um interestingly as i mentioned most people uh care about the supposed photo that exists of this, yeah. this cryptid, right? Um, it's a convolution that occurred in 1963, uh, in the May issue of, uh, Saga magazine, which is a men's magazine, mind you, which is going to be important in a second. Um, <laughs> and it was introduced by a man named Jack Pearl in an article called monster bird that carries off human beings, exclamation point.
2: Yeah. Attention grabbing.
0: Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, I can't personally find a copy of the article. It may be an anthology, uh, but the preview doesn't point to the whole article being shown, but instead, like, a snippet of it and then people talking about it. Um, And I'm not willing to spend $9 for a chance at that uh, because I I already have all the quotes that are, like, relevant and important. Yeah. Right? So, like, I'm not going to waste my time buying that book and, like, finding out fucking around and finding out when the articles that they do have like examples of are not the complete articles which is baffling to me absolutely baffling to me um because then that's not really an anthology that's just like snippets with modern people writing about like that's that's just book reports yeah um so i was however able to find the relative portion the relevant portion on a weird Arizona article, uh, that we referenced the last time we talked about, uh, uh, this, this p- particular subject, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, the tombstone epitaph Pope, and this is, this, this was not said necessarily in the original, uh, this is, this is slightly edited for the sake of consistency and like flow, um, published a photo- photograph in 1886 of a huge bird nailed to a wall. The newspaper said it had been shot by two prospectors and hauled into town by a la- wagon. Lined in front of the bird, six grown men with their, their arms outstretched fingertip to fingertip. The creature measured about 36 feet wingtip to wingtip. So, few things here, right? Um, and there's a artist depiction by Andrew Minier mm-hmm. um, of the, the supposed Thunderbird photo. Um, uh, uh, so, uh, interestingly, Jack... Pearl asserts the photo had been published in 1886, despite the event in question occurring in 1890. Remember, we have that article. Um, the alleged wingspan is about four and a half times smaller than the wingspan in the actual article as well. Um, that being said, in publishing this claim, Jack Pearl spawned a lost media search in the critic community that continues to this day. As I mentioned years ago, I too have a recollection of seeing some version of this alleged photo back in the aughts, although it is likely me just misremembering one of the many, many reproductions of it, which um is in the show notes for uh the the episode like twenty version of this this subject. Um I kept it out of this one because hey, there's gotta be something different <laughs> between the two of them. Um now here here's the importance of the concept of falsifiability uh comes into play, right? Uh Um, As it stands, we can't prove that the photo does not exist by the very nature of the question. However, odds are, it's probably not real, given the context and the lack of evidence in form of both the skin and the photo, right? Um, Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that's missing that, in theory, should have existed, right? That does not necessarily mean that it doesn't exist, but it does mean then it's less likely that it exists. Um, now, uh, this has not stopped, however, people from latching onto the story, because let's face it, giant birds are cool as fuck. Hell yeah. Right? Like, like, let's just be real. Yeah. Big birds, fucking cool right. as fuck. Big bird, cool as fuck. Hell that yeah. motherfucker's got a pet elephant. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, he does. Uh, it's easy to imagine. It's also very easy to imagine a giant eagle rather than other cryptids, right? Yeah. Like, it's just easy to do. It's, it's, it's a very low-hanging fruit in terms of, like, conceptualization and, like, capturing the imagination. You don't have to imagine some weird three-legged monster like if it was the Enfield Horror. You don't have to imagine that there's, like, some plesiosaur that's in a lake, right? Yeah. You've never seen a plesiosaur in real life. You've just seen photos of it. Or a lake. I mean, some would say yeah. lakes don't fucking exist. They don't actually. Uh, they're all just big ponds. That's it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. They There's no actual lakes in the world. They're just ponds. Um, Hang on, man. No, you keep. If going. anyone now, lives that near... just
2: made me want to go down a rabbit hole. You keep going.
0: If anyone, if anyone lives near the Great Lakes, they're gonna be so mad at me. <laughs> um. So, in fact. Brandon, there exists a similar event that was published in May thirty first in the nineteen o one edition of the Fredli- Frederick City, Maryland paper, the Citizen.
2: All in the water story... within a pond is within the photic zone, whereas that's not true for lakes. So there is actually a hard definition that differentiates lakes versus ponds. Ah, huh. I mean, it, and that it's that in lakes, um, the the sunlight doesn't necessarily wholly reach the bottom.
0: But. But then that means that there are things that I would consider ponds that are, are lakes, by that definition.
2: Just a really deep pond?
0: Yeah, like, if you have, like, a really deep pond, then that's a yeah. lake.
2: Because they don't give a hard line for, like, uh, total, like, surface area.
0: So would would a, would a pond that has, like, a cave in it, would that count as a lake? Because there there would be parts of it that weren't Potentially. in total.
2: Interesting. I think that might be a lake, and then it'd just be, like, general, like how locals call it would just be what it ends up getting called. But I think they would I, fall into lake.
0: I think I think we might be be lawyering the definition of uh of lake a little bit too much.
2: Oh, and, and a body of water less than uh one half acre. Is a pond. Is a pond, yeah. So if it's greater than half acre and um it's deep enough where, where not all sunlight like, passes through the water, then you got yourself a lake. Huh so conceivably,
0: you could make an, a lake pretty easily. Like like half acre. Digging out a half acre is a lot, but like it's doable. Yeah. Like you could rent a backhoe and, and make your own lake based on that. And then you could like be like lakeside property.
2: <laughs> just the weird lake guy.
0: Yeah. Make an Airbnb post. Beautiful lakeside property. And it's just like a ditch. Um. <laughs> okay, so getting back to the story. Um, there was a similar event that, it, that was published in May 31st in the 1901 edition of the Frederick City, Maryland paper, The Citizen. In the story, when Edward Zitterman, Zimmerman shot and killed a monster bald eagle with a wingspan of about seven feet that was nailed to the side of a barn. Now, this is a car, far cry from the Tombstone Thunderbirds 160 feet or Pearl's uh, iteration of 36 feet. It could evoke very similar imagery, right? Yeah. And it's within reason that a reader might have seen the photo, um, see the photo along those lines, right? Um, and this is, this is the specific article. Uh, last Tuesday afternoon, the 28th, um, Mr. Edward Zimmerman of Pleasant Hill shot and killed a monster bald eagle in the vicinity of Figa's Mills, which, me- which measured within half an inch of seven feet from tip to tip. The bird has frequently been seen in the vicinity before, but was first seen by Reverend Father John Gaffney of Frederick, who happened to be—is that a Q? That's totally a Q. Oh no, that's just a, a, a speck on the the the, the photocopy. Um, who happened to be in the vicinity at the time? The barn is nail. Uh, the bird is nailed against the barn of Mister Zimmerman at the crossroads near Pleasant Hill Church, right? Yes. Um. So. Here lies one of the pitfalls of human cognition and the concept of lost media as a whole. Humans have extremely robust visual memories, right? Yeah. Um, From an evolutionary perspective, it allows us to adapt to our environment quickly and organize spatial memories for travel, hunting, and gathering, right? However, um, this memory is a bit of a shit show in terms of visual detail. Not only because... Not only that, but people generally misremember visual details in similar ways, which was indicated in Prasad and Bainbridge's study of the visual Mandela effect. And Brandon, yeah. I have a little test for you. Okay. I have two photos here. Yes. Um, is anything wrong with either of those photos? And what is wrong?
2: Uh, I want to say the base of Pikachu's tail should be brown. See-through. PO is good. His leg is supposed to be silver because it was replaced.
0: Okay. You're right. Those, ah! those are both the correct ah! things. Nerd
2: cred established. But the thing is, They're a lot of
0: people, a lot of people will frequently say that the the there's black at the tip of Pikachu's
2: tail. You know right? what that I I that is something that it took me a second because I do yes. I do have to yeah. Yes, I wanted you know, to say that, and I and I it took a long time. I have to think back to Fat Pikachu. Yeah. Also, also, people will forget that
0: we'll we'll assume C three PO just had both gold legs.
2: Yeah, people just assume he is both. And Pikachu also has stripes on his back. He's facing us, so I didn't say that because they, you would, they yeah. wouldn't be visible. You wouldn't. It wouldn't be visible. Um, yeah. But yeah, so... And actually, so those it, are in actually, the new movies, it'd be a, a red arm, right? Didn't his arm turn red for a bit?
0: Uh, C3PO's arm did turn yeah.
2: red, I want to say.
0: Yes, his arm turned red. It wasn't his leg. Um, it was a silver leg, yeah. red arm. I think his leg got fixed at some point, maybe. It, he's actually had a silver leg since uh episode four. Gotcha. Okay. He always had a silver leg. It was never gold. Which is um which is like like kind of getting into it, talking about the Mandela effect, which is really just shit memory, right? Yeah. Like but it's interesting because we misremember things in the same way, which probably speaks to the way that we organize visual data in our mind, right? Um, if we misremember things in consistent ways, that probably means that our cognition organizes visual data in a specific way. That's why so many people think Baronstein bears were were spelt stein right? Yes. Um. So it it's kind of a thing. We, oh, we or
2: the fruit of the loom, um, having a cornucopia. Yes.
0: Yeah. That's that's also a thing that happens a lot. Um. It's a super common, super duper common way of misremembering that. It turns out when we misremember things, we misremember things consistently. Like also the VW logo. Yeah. Brandon, does the VW logo have a gap between the V and the W?
2: Oh. Think about it. My gut wants to say
0: yes. It does because I saw one yesterday. Okay. But a lot of people will say no.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's, it's, it's. It's a thing. It's very easy for, like, it's easy to re- misremember these things, and people bizarrely re- misremember them in the same way. I wouldn't say it's actually, now that I say it, it's not bizarre that they rem- misremember them in the same it's, different ways, or the same way, because it's just human cognition.
2: It's human right? cognition, and they're, like, minor, insignificant details that it makes it easier for your brain to process a memory if it just loses little bits mm-hmm. and keeps the, the you know, the, 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 the key important portions
0: yeah, it's now we're not going to get into a cognition rabbit hole now too. We've already gone down too many philosophical and our a- academic rabbit holes, so we're not going to do that. But um, <clears throat> it stands to reason that at least some lost media, especially cryptid lost media, could be misinterpretations of visual data, right? Maybe yeah. someone saw a picture of an eagle pinned to a barn and then read Jack Pearl's story and our brains naturally connect those two pieces of data to make new falsified information, right? Because um, independently, both of those things are data. They do not have actual context. Um, and then the act of adding, like visualizing it adds the context to it. Um, I also will say, if the photo... So, so basically, um, what ends up <laughs> happening is uh, people generally believe they saw something, but have uh, simply confused two separate memories. Personally, I think Jack Pearl her- hoaxed the... Thunderbird story, yeah. drawing on existing stories to make a more salacious article to fill out one of the issues of Saga, and a magazine which he was a managing editor of. Um mm-hmm. now also keep in mind, uh if he really wanted so he he has a claim that this thing happened and there was a photo of it. If he really wanted to like make the article like really good, he would have included the fucking picture of the photo.
2: Yes. Absolutely
0: right, and if he was an if he was a journalist worth his salt, he wouldn't have reported on the photo without knowing about the photo. But then again, this is a men's magazine; it's not about journalism. If,
2: if he was a, a a journalist worth his salt, he'd be writing for Teen Vogue. <laughs> I hate I hate the world. I really hate everything. It's awful. It's pain. He's saying that because it's true by the way and, and you no one picked up on that reference yeah
0: <laughs> buzzfeed was also like was also like a place for journalism for a while too which <laughs> is horrifying I hate it I hate it here <laughs> um however this is not the belief of all members of the cryptozoological community that this is a hoax um now, there's several theories for this, right? Uh, there's the, in quotes, skeptical version of events. Uh-huh. Um, editor of Strange... <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was bad. Um, editor of Strange Magazine, Mark Trovinsky posits an alternate explanation behind hoax for the origin of the Thunderbird photo. While I'm not fully convinced he believes this hypothesis, he suggests that Jack Pearl's original source may have been one H.M. Cranmer, a supposed witness of the Thunderbird who had submitted a letter to fate in September, 1963 in the letter. Cramer mentions multiple sightings of the Thunderbirds. He also adds the lore of the tombstone Thunderbird Like he adds to it. Yeah. Sometime about the year 1900, two prospectors shot and carried into tombstone, Arizona on a burrow. One of these birds when nailed against the wall of the tombs uh, of the tombstone epitaph, its wingspan measured 36 feet. A picture showed six men with outstretched arms touching Um, standing under the bird. Later, a group of actors dressed as uh, professors were photographed under the bird, with one of them saying, shucks, there's no such bird, never was and never will be. Huh. So, um, Travinsky suggests that Pearl may have seen this letter before in its publication in Fate, and used it as a source for his own article. Personally, I'm not convinced, as a September publication of a magazine could have absolutely affected an article posted in a men's magazine in May. Could it absolutely be have been affected by a men's magazine published in May, right? Yeah. Like that's that's a decent chunk of time for someone to write a letter to the editor and have seen and read an article, right? Um, so I don't necessarily know if that's I don't know if causally this makes a whole lot of sense. Um, I disagree with Trubinsky's conclusion, but I recognizes I recognize that it does express some degree of skepticism regarding the provenance of the photo story. Because, mm-hmm. like, kind of embedded in that, there is this degree of like, well, maybe this is also like a hoax perpetrated by other people, or it was like a never a hoax, but like people recreating something that supposedly happened but never happened. Yeah, you know, like it. There's a lot of layers to that. And I think that it's an overcomplication of something that is probably just Jack Pearl lying for the sake of selling papers. Fair. I feel like that's the, and like, he was a fiction writer too, I think. So like, it's not that fucking weird. Yeah. Right? Like, it's not that huge of a gap. Anywho, um... Here, another cryptopia alumni enters the fray in the discourse surrounding the tombstone Thunderbird photo, Ivan Sanderson. And Brandon, do you remember
2: Ivan Sanderson at all? Um, I don't, but I, I know the answer because it's written in bold above the, <laughs> the header. Yeah, you do. The header kind of gives it away. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, you do.
0: So a British biologist and writer is one of the progenitors of modern cryptozoology, born in 1911. In Edinburgh, Scotland, he acquired an M.A. in both biology and ethnology from Eton College in the 1930s. So you know that he probably had some great takes about, uh, about people of different races. Uh, um, yeah. Almost definitely. He had some opinions. Um, Sanderson was a frequent nature writer and made a number of appearances in media starting in 1948. Interestingly, Sanderson's animal business, in quotes... Uh, would have him renting and borrowing animals in New York, C- the New York City area, for various media appearances. In 1952, he would purchase 25 acres of land in White Township, New Jersey, to create his own Ivan Sanderson's Jungle Zoo, a roadside attraction featuring a collection of 45 rare animals. Which um, I think he just might have been 1952 Tiger King, that's but I'm not a sure lot
2: what it sounds like. Um, a New Jersey that's... roadside jungle zoo. He might oh. just be, he might just be
0: 1950s Tiger King. Yeah. Um, the zoo would be destroyed in 1955 by New Jersey's natural enemy, the hurricane. <laughs> Speaking of hurricanes, uh, last night there was a really bad thunderstorm in our area. Yeah. Um, and I was driving back from Jersey. Oh God. And uh, I drove through like the Newburgh area And the roads were starting to become washed out as I was driving, and it was scary. Oh, yeah. Tornado watch, bro. Was it a tornado
2: watch? Yeah. Uh, That would explain it. I don't know if it was, like, through the specific path you would have taken, but yeah.
0: (laughs) I I hate the fact that I didn't get a warning.
2: It's, um, Um, it wasn't, I didn't get one, but the next county over did. That's, like, uh, pretty, they're pretty close. Like, it's a 15-minute drive difference.
0: Like, at that point, just just issue it to, like, the surrounding counties. Yeah. Whatever. Anywho, uh, Sanderson was also a follower of the work of Charles Fort, uh, the creator of the concept of, like, Fortean studies, which is, like, you know, kind of the underlying theme of, like, paranormal research in general. Yeah. Right. Um, resulting in a vested interest in the paranormal, with subjects ranging from Bigfoot and sea serpents to, of course, Makole Membe. Oh, good. Um, He's also known for his 1961 book Abominable Snowmen*, which was published by Chilton, a publishing house known for its automobile
2: manuals. Oh, fantastic.
0: Um, The book was not well supported in its time and got absolutely shredded in a book review by William Stratus Jr. And I just want to take a minute to read this because this is savagery (laughs) at its purest. Um Unfortunately, the author's concept of what constitutes scientific evidence will scarcely be accepted by most scientists. His standards are unbelievably low. Indeed, his entire argument is based upon two types of evidence, namely footprints and reports, many of which are obviously (laughs) of questionable reliability. It would be foolish and quite unscientific to state categorically that the creatures are of the sort described in the book can simply not exist. But the burden of proof rests not on as Sanderson obviously believes the shoulders of those who, ex- who do not accept the current evidence of their existence, it rests upon the shoulders of those who affirm their existence, which is something we've talked about at length. Um, and if it weren't bad enough, Sanderson also backed an obvious hoax in Clearwater, Florida, uh, to quote an article by Benjamin Radford, Ivan Sanderson was badly fooled by his tracks he confidently proclaimed would be impossible to fake. Oh, good. In 1948, and for a decade afterwards, th- giant three-toed footprints were found along the beach in Clearwater, Florida. Sanderson, described as a man who was extremely knowledgeable of many subjects and had done more field work, work than most zoologists do today, Greenwell, 1988, uh, spent two weeks on the site of the tracks, investigating and analyzing the tracks and consulting other experts. He concluded that tracks were made by... Fifteen-foot-tall <laughs> penguins. Now, oh. <clears throat> in 1988, Tony Signori admitted that he and his friend had made a set of cast-iron feet, attached them to high-top sneakers, uh, that they then used to fake the print. Unfortunately, or maybe it's fortunate, Sanderson would not see the hoax revealed as he died in 1973 at age of 62. Oh. Um, and those are the those are the the uh, impossible fakes in question. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> There's a photo of the actual like hoaxing tools that yeah. they used. Um, returning to the Tombstone Thunderbird photo, Ivan Sanderson claimed not only to have seen the photo of the Tombstone Thunderbird, but to have it had it himself. The story gets incredibly oh convoluted my. here, like incredibly. So this is me attempting to unpack it a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's an endless font of hearsay and reading into articles and statements that gets so confusing. So fucking quick, so so fucking quick. Um, I distilled the an adaptation of a story, uh, from unsolved mysteries. The uh-huh. Reddit, uh, from you PM me your ears. Basically, Sanderson may have had two different thunder- Thunderbird photographs over the course of the decades. One may have been the photo described by H. M. Cranmer, Cranmer and another from some unknown event. There is a possibility that the Cranmer photo was destroyed in a 19 in 1955 with Sanderson Zoo, which also had a fire the same year. <laughs> Bad luck. Um, so in 1965, Sanderson formed the Society uh, for the Investigation of the Unexplained, C2, which had some knowledge relating to a Thunderbird photo uh, that Sanderson sent off with two investigators to Cloudsport and search the Black Forest Thunderbirds. In 1967, C2 described that, indicated that neither of these men had the photo anymore. And if you're confused at this point, don't worry, I am too. Um, Incidentally, the Black Forest in question was actually located in Pennsylvania, uh, which is closer to where H.M. Kramer lived, not the Black Forest, Germany, as most would assume. And why I was so fucking confused for like a solid 30 minutes. Like, why the fuck would he give this photo to people who are going to Germany? Um, feels like it feels like if you're saying Black Forest and you're referring to Pennsylvania you should probably put Pennsylvania there. Yes. Uh just absolutely. because there is there is a famous Black Forest. It's like it's like saying Newark and you mean Newark Ohio. Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> um it's kind of the same thing. Uh The men who received the photos were Frank Graves and Jay Blick who were affiliated with a magazine Pursuit. Graves would later describe the photo in an interview matching Jack Pearl's photo description. But, at this point, we're just adding intentional room for memory issues into the mystery of the photo. Other paranormal researchers, like John Keel, also weigh in, pointing to the photo being initially acquired in the 50s. Ah, John Keel. Um, <laughs> notably, in the exploration of Ivan Sanderson's supposed ownership of the tombstone that I bro- bird photo. There is no clear evidence beyond the anecdotal. A fact that holds true for all the supposed sightings of the photo, whether they be first-hand viewings or as reprints in magazines such as Fate and National Geographic, which because they have like actual like we have all of the the copies of those. Yeah. Like we have an archive of those, we categorically know that they did not print the photo. <laughs> this is not this is not like a uh, this is this is one of the cases where we can falsify a claim. Yes. Um. So here I'll leave the Tombstone Thunderbird photograph for this episode. There are other possible avenues to explore, including Jonathan Whitcomb, who declared the obvious Photoshop as authentic to further his uh, Young Earth creationist pterosaur per- agenda, which he actually then uh, backpedaled on. Huh. In a follow up, like like he edited his article to backpedal, which. Yeah is surprising to me um, in a hypothesis that propaganda imagery might have contributed to the collective Mandela effect. Cause there was apparently like photos of like soldiers standing in front of a bird for like uh, war propaganda from uh-huh. world war two. Um, as I noted above, I can't categorically say that the photo doesn't exist, but the evidence is not really in its favor. Yes. Um, and uh, I was going to do a lot more of these This episode, but that ended up taking, uh, (laughs) it ended up being a very long time to, uh, talk about the Thunderbird photo. So I'm just going to fill in with a very short little apparent cryptid lost media thing here that I don't think we could ever in a million years make a full episode. And Brandon, (coughs) um, we're going to, we're going to, uh, I, this is just fucking hilariously strange. Um, as far as I can tell, the origin of the story is from Philippe Conrad Co- Codre's 2009 book, A Guidebook to Hidden Animals, which we've used for this podcast before, because I'm pretty sure you uploaded the PDF to our uh, our thing. Our, uh, our, our shared uh, yeah. drive, Google Drive. Um, there are no hits on this story before that date in Google searching. The cryptic in question is from the Dominican Republic of Congo, known as the Spiny Backed Chimpanzee. <laughs> Allegedly, sometime between 1997 and 2002, a unit of American Marines witnessed a group of 13 chimpanzee-like creatures. These creatures were said to have moved upright, bipedally, which is strange for chimps. Usually, they're not actually walking around bipedally. They're typically on all fours. They can walk bipedally for short stints, but like that's not usually how it goes. Um, and they stood between uh, 1.35 and 1. 1.5 meters tall. They had a uniform gray coat, and most... Conspicuously, had rows of uh, sharp porcupine-like spines covering their back. Hell yeah! Uh, allegedly, these spines would stand on end when the creature was excited. The animals worked in groups and were said to have been seen killing another animal. Huh. Uh, the lost media in this story uh, is an alleged classified three-minute-long tape of the creatures. Uh, the content of this tape is not described by Philip Codray. Beyond the presence of the aforementioned tape, and while I won't go into too much depth, because that's pretty much all of the depth um, of this uh, this Sonic the Hedgehog chimpanzee. Um, Gotta go fast. It's re- it's remarkably convenient Hunt that and this chili uh, dogs. he really is. That was the actually the animal that they were fighting. Was it just a chili dog? Um, <laughs> it's remarkably convenient that this evidence the evidence supporting this claim is accessible to the general public and hidden behind uh, military, like, classification, because supposedly it shows evident, it shows, like, marine activity in the Congo, Uh. which I'm pretty sure it's the American Marines, and, like, what the fuck are you guys doing in the Congo, um, in the first place? I don't know, whatever. Probably. I mean, anytime we're in the global south, we're not really doing good things, (laughs) historically. Like, let's be real, uh, America does not have a good history with the Global South anywhere.
2: No, no, no.
0: It's... I defy you to show me one example of us doing something good in the Global South. I wouldn't even say good. I would just say
2: non-atrocity.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So in the credulous eyes of uh, the cryptozoological community, uh, this likely false tape has Wow, I really just dropped the ball on on sentence structure here because I wrote this likely false tape has been enters into the annals of cryptid lost media. Yeah, he said annals. Um there may have been in fact been footage that resembles this. However, we will never know how accurate to the description of the events they actually were. Right? Like we we don't know. It's 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 probably fake. <laughs> it's just funny. That's all um but that's everything that i got for this week um uh yeah i i might do more about cryptid lost media i'm not sure uh this just ended up becoming me redoing the the thunderbird episode um and then talking about philosophy for a bit yeah so yeah there we go uh if you enjoyed the podcast our website is cryptopediacast.com, instagram cryptopediacast. i'm not going to mention uh, we're at Cryptopediacast on the other thing of the platform that has no name. Um, yeah. our email is cryptopediacast at gmail.com and us at cryptopediacast mm. My sinus has been killing me lately. Yeah, uh, we have a we have a Patreon, um and I'd like to thank our Jackalopes, Marty Von Party, Bird Schneider, Len Wood Sharp, Matthew Smith, Bushcraft Kelso, and Will Smith. Is that right? Did I update that?
2: This is I, I copy and pasted this one from the New York Holy Stone, so this is accurate as of at least two you weeks. You cop ago. you
0: you readded this one in. Yeah. You, you just yeah. added this. Yeah, okay. I, I just added this. Yeah. Okay. Good. So that's accurate as of as of two weeks ago. So <laughs> we're gonna assume that's right. If we're wrong, well, I guess Brandon's gonna give you a a, a commercial. Yeah. <laughs> um. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to rate, review, subscribe. If you have any monster requests or stories, be sure to send them in. Um, we have a merch store now. Uh, it's etsy.com slash uh, shop slash Cryptopedia Oh, you Cryptopedia forgot Clay
2: Sinclair. Wait, I re-added one below. Oh, wow. Scroll down. You'd... Read the second one. You'd... Read the bottom one.
0: Yeah, you totally forgot Clay Sinclair. No, no, Holy shit.
2: Scroll down. Scroll down. There's two of them.
0: No, no, you forgot Clay Sinclair. I forgot Clay Sinclair. We all forgot him.
2: We didn't forget Clay Sinclair. Because as for being jackalope as this time I did, if you're a jackalope and you want, I do commercials for jackalopes. Like the one that you heard earlier that uh, I put in. Oh, wait.
0: Now I'm super confused, Brandon, because like now there's different stuff. I'm opening up the Patreon. Do your plugs.
2: (laughs) Uh, I'm making sure that we meant we actually thanked everyone. yeah. Um, oh, and the Jackalope, so I'll make you a commercial uh, uh, to put it in an episode. So if you like one, hit me up. Um, uh, we also have a, a merch store, etsy.com, slash shop, slash cryptopedia. Merch and Jackalopes get 20% off all of those things as well. You can find me on Instagram at donkey underscore hands. My website is boyerb.com. My email is brandon at cryptopediacast.com. And I'm on that other social media thing as well. Hm.
0: Okay, so looking at the list... This is the definitive list. Will Smith. Yes. Bushcraft Kelso. Yes. Lenwood Sharp. Hell yeah. Bird Schneider. Uh huh. Marty Von Party. Yes. And Clay Sinclair. Uh huh. There we go. So that is who, that is who the current, that is the current Jackalopes. Okay. So if you want to follow me, I'm on Instagram at Mute2057. My that must which must not be named is at JF Dunham. My website is John Games dot com and my email is John at Cryptopediacast dot com.
2: Our art was done by Tom Hill. You could find him on Instagram at Thomas Michael Hill. His website is greater dot com. His email is TommyKill at gmail dot com and his other website is TommyKill dot com. Oh yeah, I should probably add that. Um anywho, that's been a uh, Cryptopedia.
0: I I hope you're not completely turned off by this episode. Uh and me talking about uh falsifiability for 20 minutes (laughs) anywho i'm john i'm brandon and things are gonna get weird
1: freak house. seven days a week wet ass p-word make that pull out game weak. yeah 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 you effin with some wet ass p-word bring a bucket and a mop for this some wet p-word. ass p-word give me everything you've got for this in wet ass p-word beat it up n-word catch a charge extra large and extra hard put this p-word right in your face swipe your nose like a credit card hop on top I want to ride. I do a kegel. while it's inside. Spit in my mouth. Look in my eyes. This p word is wet. Come take a dive. It continued uh, along these lines, uh, and it gets significantly, significantly more vulgar. Like oh a, a lot more vulgar.